may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's an old catchphrase or adage, if you will, pastors use when it comes to preaching, or even pastoral care, kind of in a broad sense in general. Afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Now, the primary sense of this means that for those who are comfortable in their sins or comfortable in an apathy towards the things of God, that is, unrepentant or apathetic, you afflict them. You go after them. You go after their thinking. You preach them God's law and lay before them God's wrath against such a life. You poke them, and you poke them hard. You afflict them. For those who are afflicted, that is, troubled in their conscience that they have sinned against God, contrite, sorrow over their sin, those who are suffering for the sake of Christ, you preach the gospel to them. You comfort them. You speak words that bring comfort. You preach the work of Christ for them. Now that's just a crass oversimplifying of this, and it can be misused. That's why it's just a catchphrase. It needs to be explained further or studied. And it happens all the time with something like law and gospel. Many times you will hear well-intentioned people say things like, well, the law makes me feel bad and the gospel makes me feel good. But that's very much an error, not what the law and gospel are as God reveals them to us. Ask the arrogant, and he very much likes the law. He can twist it and make himself think he's saving himself or especially when it can condemn somebody else and make him look more righteous, more good, before the throne of God. Or the gospel, for those who hate God, who don't have faith, it's a scandal. It doesn't make them feel good. So you get the point. So what's all of this got to do with what's before you this morning? Well, hear these words again from St. Matthew's Gospel. Now when John, that is John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ... He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So now here's John the Baptist in prison because he afflicted people. And the rulers of the Jews, they didn't like him calling them out of their sin and look to the coming Christ. Called him a brood of vipers after all. And call somebody that, typically they don't like that. The law of God he preached called them to repentance. And Herod also didn't like when John the Baptist called him to repentance as well for his own vile deeds. John afflicted the comfortable. And where did it get him? It got him thrown in prison and eventually killed, simply because of the words that came out of his mouth. But people went out to hear John. He drew crowds. It was a sight to see, especially in the days when there's no television or anything like that. There's this crazy preacher preaching out in the wilderness who smells probably bad and eats weird stuff. Let's go see what he's doing. So Jesus goes on further in Matthew's gospel. He says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? 
a reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So now, as these disciples of John, his students, were leaving to go report back to John, Jesus looks at these crowds and puts before them why they had heard John preach. Called them to examine their hearts and, in a sense, asked themselves, what did you guys expect to hear from a faithful prophet of God? Were you just wanting a show? Were you wanting to be entertained? Were you expecting him just to make you feel good or want to give you something that you could talk about in the marketplace? But John's job was simple. He was the messenger who was to prepare the way of the Lord. That was his purpose. That was his task in this life. And what happened? Well, what did Jesus do whom he was pointing to? Well, as Jesus said, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. So it was just like all of those prophets leading up to John who had said that, pointing to it, and John who himself was the last of the prophets. God made good on his promises. He came, and he did all things well. So now for you who are sitting here today, hearing this word of God, you take all of this in. You see what happened. Jesus, the long-expected one, has come. He's fulfilled all things, as the word of God said, as John testified to him. His work is complete, and now he continues to preach the saving word to all people. God calls you to listen to this word. He calls you to be his disciples, his students, that the word of God may dwell in you richly. And he calls you to live it. But our sinful nature doesn't like this, though, because we'd rather listen to those other voices or maybe just our own voice. Then when we do hear God's word, if it conflicts with our thinking of what we would like things to be, we want to silence it. When we are comfortable in our sin, we don't like being afflicted by God because it kills our old man. It stings, it hurts. Our flesh wants what it wants, but our flesh is weak. It's stained by sin. But what does God say about our flesh? Well, just in that Old Testament reading alone, all flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The third Sunday in Advent, God shows us what faithfulness looks like. And it's seen through suffering. But there's joy even in suffering because its eyes are on the one who suffered in our place. One who conquered death by his death and has risen again to new life. So we're at the halfway point, Sunday-wise, of the Advent season. And God is directing you to see your life today with this example of John, who preached God's word and believed. 
He was decreasing as Christ was increasing, and blessed is the one who is not offended by Jesus, not offended by his word, by his church, by his teaching. And you know, as we see this secular year drawing to a close, and we're all counting down, I'm sure, we're reminded of what is lasting, what is eternal. The long-expected Jesus, he's come. And we now look to him, as John pointed to him in his ministry, and even suffered death for this confession. And God calls us to be steadfast and immovable in this faith God has given to you. It's easy to get comfortable in the world and its ways, in our own fallen flesh, and in a voice other than the voice of God preaching. So like John, God calls us to repent of our sin and find comfort where true comfort is found. And this is where we find comfort in Jesus. Because Jesus is our Redeemer. He's your Redeemer who has redeemed you from sin, death, and the devil which afflict you. They want nothing more than you to suffer in hell for all eternity. 2020 is their banner year, at least in our lifetimes. But that's the reality of being in this world. That's the reality of seeing all sin and its consequences around you. But what did we say a few minutes ago on this third Sunday of Advent? In the intro, at the, refer- the antiphon for this Sunday, that is the thing before the verses and after verses, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. As a side note, you call Pastor Lingard's home phone, and you'll hear him say that on there. It's always his message. Don't do that right now. But he always says, rejoice in the Lord. So Jesus is indeed at hand, even if, as he's now here before you. Because your Lord's won the day. He's the victor. John the Baptist was kind of a big deal, and rightfully so. But how does Jesus close out that gospel reading for this morning? He says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's you. The forgiveness of your sins has been won, and you stand at peace with God. And so you are the treasured possession of God, whom he has saved by his own blood. When so much around you is trying to draw, drown out the voice of God which saves you and the devil and the world and your own fallen flesh, God has conquered in Christ. And you're great in the kingdom of heaven. And that's a kingdom of eternal joy. That's a kingdom that knows no end. And that's the kingdom of comfort to come. A kingdom of comfort now as the Lord feeds you his holy word and sacraments. So you have eternal life and a clear conscience to stand before God. Clinging to Jesus crucified for you, there's great comfort because you know what your future holds. What a wonderful thing to have this place before your eyes today, this Advent. God is yours and you are his. So strife, violence, sin, sickness, persecution, upheaval, the devil, death, they've all been overcome. Their works will come to an end. John the Baptist lost his head for the sake of Christ. But the Lord raises bodies from the grave to immortality and incorruption. Martin Luther once quipped, The Pope may try to cut off my head, but God will give me a new one in the resurrection. 
Your future is a future of comfort and joy. That's the great comfort today. And what did you see? What did your eyes see before you? How do you know? Is God's comfort really in this world right now? Well, you saw Vivian baptized into Christ. And as Christian parents, this is one of the most comforting things when you see the baptism of your child. You know that God has called your own dear daughter or son as his own child. Your child is God's child, whose sin has been forgiven, rescued from the devil, and given eternal life. And she has been made great in the kingdom of heaven today. Vivian Slapnica is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So all of that really happened before your eyes today. Is God still giving us comfort? You just saw it. And what a wonderful comfort indeed it is. The Lord is good. God is the one who gives life. He's the one who gives eternal life, and it is never-ending. Vivian is a saint of God today, just as you are in your baptisms as well. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Thanks be to God for such joy, such comfort found in this good shepherd who's laid down his life for you and raised it back up again. You are his dear flock, and he still takes care of you. The church of God, this flock of Jesus, rejoices this Sunday in 2020 as she has for centuries. Nothing has changed. John rejoiced in the same Lord you rejoice in as God's saints. Comfort is yours, even the comfort of life in the midst of death. Because the Lord has come, and he's here now for you in his means of grace, giving you his comfort. And he's coming again to take you to comfort beyond all compare that will last forever. Amen.